Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, October 6th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Streaming companies are adding live sports in an effort to grow audiences, including among the Spanish-speaking population. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, surprise is the big word regarding the government jobs report for September. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Paul, thank you for joining us today. And the uh, the, the the trading narrative is flipped since the uh, number came out at 7.30 Central Time this morning. There was a massive sell-off in the futures market and in the early part of the trading day. But now it seems that uh, traders are doing a little bit more to uh, digest that September jobs report, which did come in way above expectations. Yeah, that's right, uh, Rob. The, the The number was a shocker. Uh, almost uh, double the uh, the expected number, a gain of 336,000 jobs uh, over the last month. Uh, you know that that does put the Fed maybe more on guard uh, regarding a, a, a potential interest rate increase at the beginning of November or maybe in December. Uh, but uh, maybe the markets are starting to get a little bit more used to that idea, uh, and so the markets started lower and have rebounded higher. And what is the big concern uh, for the Fed and for Fed watchers going forward based on this jobs report, that there will be another interest rate hike or the Fed will lock itself into that higher for longer strategy? Well, the Fed is is principally here concerned about two things. One is inflation uh, and the other one is is employment. And employment seems pretty strong. If, If employment were weak, the Fed would be looking to cut rates. But uh, that's not the case. Employment is, in fact, strong. And if employment stays strong, then in in principle, wage gains could also stay strong. That could push up prices that consumers pay for goods. And that's been the Fed's real headache for the last couple of years. And that's been inflation. And so when the the number came out this morning was very strong, uh, wage gains of about 4.2 percent. Uh, that suggests, oh, goodness, inflation is still going to be an issue for the Fed that keeps interest rates higher for longer. It makes mortgages higher uh, and it, it's going to weigh on the consumer. So the stocks initially sold off uh, on that news. So that's that's the real concern as the Fed goes. It's almost like good news is bad news as far as interest rates go, because the stronger the economy, the better the news there, uh, the, the likelier the chances that the Fed will raise rates and mortgage rates will be higher. And, and then you get a, a bad result from that. 
And in, in previous times of, of really good, really robust employment markets, that you didn't have these inflationary pressures. You didn't have this uh, concern about how it would impact interest rates. I mean, I, I haven't had the chance to go back uh, to look at the Fred data from uh, the St. Louis Fed, your neck of the woods, about uh, monthly job growth uh, in the late 1990s, which is still considered like the gold standard of Goldilocks economies. You had robust job growth. Right. You had little to no inflation. And you had interest rates in the fives, but the 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 bond market wasn't you know running the prime rate up to eight or nine percent. So what was the difference yeah. between then and now? You got uh, you, you're really still dealing with the post pandemic world. I mean, when you look at today's jobs report, you see uh, tens of thousands of people joined the labor force. I should say, really rejoined the labor force. Those are people who had stopped out of the labor force. Um, principally women, maybe because their schools were still locked down or on masks, maybe because they had lost access to child care because of the, of the pandemic. And those services were some of them slow to get reactivated. And that kept a lot of women at home. Now we're starting to see those women come back and they led the increase in the number of people available to work this time around. That's a good thing. That keeps uh, more of a balance between the number of jobs open and the number of people looking for work. That's why you're not seeing strong, even stronger wage gains. So the pandemic has a lot to do with this. And some of these things that we've, we've uh, well, maybe overlooked over the last year or so are still kind of working their way through these pandemic fixes uh, or call them post-pandemic fixes that we're still getting used to. Uh, that Those are still at work here as opposed to the 90s. Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Thank you for joining us today. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Hispanic market is a target for media companies that feature sports programming. That's also a hot spot for horror movies. Let's discuss the growth areas with Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group based in Chicago. Tim, thank you for joining us today. And every time, it seems, Tim, when you and I have a conversation about the state of mass media today, it's always a a discussion about pairing back and that the good old days are over and that uh, they're that the companies are getting used to uh, smaller audiences a more fractured media landscape but there is one growth market one you might even call it an old school growth market and that is the 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 rush to appeal to the hispanic audience in the united states i i think rob it's a uh, it's a dynamic of uh, that's been around for uh, a number of decades and is perhaps uh, e- exploding now more than ever, uh, given a steady uh, buildup, if you will, of outlets, uh, local television, certainly radio, uh, national television networks, and of course now streaming, uh, catering to the Hispanic Latinx a- audience. And um, the reality is that this is uh, a huge marketplace in the United States. Uh, Spanish-speaking households uh, are of significant proportions in, in, in many cases, in many places around the, uh, the country, uh, if, if not a minority, perhaps a uh, plurality of households that at least speak English as uh, one language in the household. So it's, it's no um, stranger to anybody in the media space that, uh, that, that, that Spanish language uh, broadcasts, especially in sports. Uh, has uh, not only been a thing for some time, but is probably gaining more steam now that streaming uh, is uh, changing the contours, but uh, offers more opportunity still. 
We're talking to Tim Hanlon of the Verter Group in Chicago. I mean, one place where it was really obvious was uh, last November and December. I believe Telemundo was the, uh, the the Spanish language broadcast partner of the World Cup. And you could see, I mean, I remember sitting in a, a restaurant in downtown Chicago waiting for the rest of my family to show up uh, before we saw the Lion King at the Cadillac Palace Theater. And every TV had the Telemundo broadcast of the World Cup on, and uh, they, they, they got some serious ratings off of that. Well, uh, that, that's a boon for NBC Universal, the parent company of Telemundo, um, and and obviously they own the Spanish language rights versus uh, what Fox owns on the English side. Um, you know, as a soccer fan myself, we talked about this before. Um, I could easily make the argument, uh, and I don't speak Spanish all that well, uh, poorly probably, uh, but I know enough to be dangerous. Um, just the excitement of Andres Cantor and. Uh, and the staff there at Telemundo calling the games tends to be of a higher tenor and more uh, uh, verbal and vocal excitement, frankly, than some of the more laid back and often uh, European or British toned uh, uh, announcers that call the games on the English uh, speaking. So, you know, I do think there's in, especially in soccer, there is absolutely an overlap of, of fans who may not even speak the language, but appreciate the passion a little bit more, which comes across certainly on the Univision and or Telemundo broadcasts, depending on what rights we're talking about. And then we talk about uh, sports rights in the Hispanic marketplace. Is uh, soccer first and foremost, or is there also uh, equally robust bidding for the NFL, Major League Baseball, and, and, and other sports that are big in the U.S. but may not necessarily have that worldwide footprint? No, I think soccer is the obvious place and has been the place where most of the growth has come from over the decades. But the reality is now in streaming in particular, uh, so many different ways to reach various splinters of audiences. Um, now you are seeing a, a hefty uh, movement towards uh, at least offering a simulcast, if not a full-fledged separate channel uh, for a Spanish-speaking audience, regardless of the sport. Baseball is certainly natural. Football is becoming kind of a natural, but frankly, it's there's really kind of no sport that is uh, uh, untappable, shall we say, for this uh, still growing and um, uh, desirous audience. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, we're learning more about the recent data breach at MGM Resort. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Recent data breaches at MGM Resorts International and Caesars Entertainment raise a much-debated issue. Should a company pay ransom money to cyber hackers? Let's get the perspective of Adam Levin, founder of CyberScout, host of the podcast What the Hack with Adam Levin, and author of the book Swiped, based in Nashville, Tennessee. Adam, thank you for joining us today. Millions for defense, but not one cent for tribute is the old saying, and it has a digital application these days. So so what is the prevailing thought when it comes to actually paying the ransom if your corporate network has been seized by ransomware? Well, the prevailing thought is not to do it. 
because the problem is that once you do it, you put a target on your back for other groups that know that you're willing to do it because your access to your data or your desire to protect your clients from someone get, releasing their data is overwhelming. Uh, the problem is, though, again, you have a target on your back. That means other groups may consider doing it. Uh, and in some cases now, the federal government is taking the position that it's a violation of federal law because you could be aiding terrorist activities. That said, there are a lot of businesses that still do it because, frankly, they need to be up and running and to lose the number of days that, for instance, MGM lost is intolerable. It could totally sink their business. So it really it depends upon each business, its tolerance for pain, how quickly they think they can get their systems back. And the other issues, you could pay to get your your, your systems uh, back or your data decrypted, but that doesn't mean that you end up being able to actually do the decryption because we have something in the world now known as ransomware as a service, which means that a lot of the people that are launching these attacks, they haven't created the malware themselves. They've basically bought into it, got the equivalent of a licensing fee uh, relationship with the people that developed it, and they give a piece to the developers which means they may not even themselves know how the heck to give it back to you. And then, Adam, very quickly, uh, what in, in general, what's the average size of the ransom? And as you said, you know, how does that stack up to the cost of of physically restarting your your systems and trying to dig out from under the ransomware attack? Well, again, depending upon how you've backed up your data and uh, how robust your systems are, it could be you know, a lot less to basically not pay the ransom. But then again, it could be a lot more. The question is, A, what is access worth to you? And B, do you want to continue to be in danger of being a target? Now, of course, in the MGM case, somebody literally went to the internal help desk and social engineered the information out of somebody and got their hands on it. So it wasn't really a technological feat. It was more of a, a social engineering feat. Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout and host of the podcast, What the Hack with Adam Levin, based in Nashville. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, a suburban cafe reveals its story in book form. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Labor Department employment report for September exceeds expectations. Chicago sports fans remember a legendary homegrown Chicago bear. It's Entrepreneur Friday. We meet the owner of a West Suburban Cafe who's now also an author. And there are more than a handful of misconceptions about buying a home. We'll try to debunk some of them. WBBM. BBM business. The markets are higher. The Dow up 316 points. The NASDAQ up 195. S&P 500 up 50. We have 60 degrees right now under partly sunny skies going up to 62. A few showers on the way. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. American employers adding an unexpectedly high number of jobs last month. It's a surprisingly robust number. 336,000 jobs added in September, up from a revised 220. 
127,000 in August. The economy has now added an average of 266,000 monthly over the past three months. The employment rate stays at 3.8%. The jobs market keeps defying threats like high inflation and the fastest pace of interest rate hikes in four decades. The Federal Reserve says it will closely look at each piece of incoming data while deciding whether to raise its benchmark rate one more time this year. Sagar Megani, Washington. One of the greatest players in Chicago Bears history being remembered as the embodiment of hard-nosed football following his death at the age of 80. Dick Butkus lost body parts as he aged, spinal nerve damage, knee replacements, a quintuple bypass, even part of the bone in one leg, gone. But he never lost his edge. Here he is, three years ago, talking about college opponents before the U of I unveiled a statue of him. They said, you know what? We hated to play you guys. I mean, you weren't worth a shit, but we knew we were going to get our ass knocked off. You know, and that's kind of a tribute, at least. Tributes poured in after news of the Hall of Famer's death. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell called Butkus, quote, the model linebacker. And Bears chairman George McCaskey says he was simply the ultimate bear. Rick Gregg, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, B. Riley Financial, based in New York. Art, thank you for joining us today. Now that we've gone through the nitty-gritty, the details of the September jobs report, which did uh, defy expectations, uh, came in way over uh, the consensus estimate, um, it seems like the the maxim of uh, good news is bad news early on in the trading session uh, has fallen by the boards now markets are up uh, pretty by by quite a bit Uh, what's driving this rally today well i would tell you three things i think that are driving it and you're right i think that you know living in that counterintuitive world where good economic data is somehow bad for the market is a dangerous place to be we've been there for a couple of weeks seem to be breaking out of that which i think would be a very healthy uh, 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 environment if, if in fact that's the case. I think the three things to think about, first and foremost, there's, there's more good news than bad news embedded in the jobs report. And the, the, the biggest of those is the fact that the, the, the one thing that would point to inflation would be the average hourly earnings that came in very much in line with consensus and down uh, on a month-over-month basis, bringing the year-over-year number down as well. So while we're creating jobs, we're not creating inflation. I think that's the, the second piece of the puzzle. The third is we've likely priced in a lot of concerns over the course of, you know, call it the last month or so, when we added 100 basis points or one full percentage point to the yield on the 10-year. So to the extent that we're seeing, you know, some of the headwinds that had faced markets all through September and, and into the early part of October here are starting to dissipate, meaning we're seeing a plateauing of yields. The, the parabolic rise in the, in the yield in the U.S. 10-year has slowed down. Uh, energy prices have come down, and the dollar's not going up every day. So those are the three biggest headwinds. And if those dissipate a bit or have plateaued or have actually gotten overdone to the upside, we may well be looking at a market that can start looking at things in a positive way, meaning good news in economic data likely drives revenues, and revenues likely drive, earn, drive earnings, and that's likely good for the market. And, and, and hopefully we've gotten to that point today and into next week when we get some of the inflation data. 
And, and we try to talk about the trajectory of the stock market every day, but uh, the bond market sets the storyline more often than not. I think it was James Carville who once said he wants to be reincarnated as the bond market because then you can intimidate anybody. And uh, a lot of a lot of the the information we talk about is driven by activity in the bond market, as you were talking about you know, with the with the Treasury yields, and 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 we're seeing uh, numbers uh, that that have not uh, shown up since two thousand seven. But is is this activity in the bond market in some ways a reflection of the uncertainty we're getting from the Fed. They they don't want to telegraph one uh, particular strategy or another because uh, they don't want to have to uh, do an about face. And in the absence of that clarity, uh, the bond market is trying to just figure it out its, its own self. Yeah, I think all of that is true, Rob. And I certainly think that, uh, you know, along with James Carvel, I, I would like to be reincarnated as a strategists for the bond market because they have more days off and they'll have Monday off as well. The bond market (laughs) closes a whole lot more than the equity markets do. But nonetheless, when we look at what's been going on of late, the the updraft that we've seen in the yields on the long end of the curve, the 10 and the 30, largely driven by better economic data. And and that is the way it should be. On the front end of the curve, the two-year in particular, hasn't gone up as much um, and I think that's reflective of where we think monetary policy is going, and that's very normalized as well. I think what's intriguing, though, when you, when you take a step back and, and think about what the Fed's going to talk about around the table at their first week of November meeting, is that the bond market is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for them, meaning they likely have seen in the tightening of financial conditions and the higher bond yields enough impetus to be restrictive on the economy, and therefore we may well have seen the last of the rate hikes. And I think that's a positive as well. If the yield on the 10-year is going up for the right reasons and normalizing, I, I think that it's, it's, it, it's more about economic activity. The two-year is really always going to be reflective of where we think monetary policy is going. And if that starts to pull back, we may see this yield curve uninvert for the right reasons. And I think that would be a certain, certainly a positive for the economy and, and positive for markets and, and could very well transition into what had been a headwind for the better part of two months now into a tailwind as investors start to look at this as good news being good news again. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, B. Riley Financial, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Up next in Entrepreneur Friday, the interesting path leading to a suburban cafe described in a new book. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday. This afternoon, we're learning the story behind a suburban business that features homemade coffee and deliciously famous paninis. We welcome in Angela Lavelli, owner of Cafe La Fortuna, in Hinsdale. Angela, thank you for joining us today. And the business is the subject of a book. And where does this story begin? Um, Hi, Rob. Thank you for inviting me today to talk about the book and uh, my coffee shop. The story began years ago in Mexico. And uh, we, my ex-husband has a coffee plantation. And that's where the story began. We were roasting and selling coffee there. In 2006, we moved to the U.S., and in 2012, we were able to open our cafe here. And just t- you kind of tell us, tell us about how you, you, you went on this journey intellectually from uh, the coffee plantation and roasting beans to actually making the turn into opening your own business, because there, there, there's a lot of different steps along the way, it seems. Yes, it is. Like... Uh, we start from the seed until we create the perfect cup of coffee. So we have learned a lot, like uh, different process uh, ways of to process 
milling the coffee to roasting different uh, profiles for the flavors. And then to create a perfect cup of coffee, you need to match your grinding with your coffee machine brewer. And then it's not just a coffee shop, though. I mean, uh, the uh, paninis are equally uh, as important uh, to your business. And uh, what started the love affair with panini sandwiches? Well, I have like an Italian heritage, and that's where um, we start with the paninis and mix uh, matching with the coffees uh, to bring more business during COVID. And um, that was well accepted by our customers. And we are here creating uh, different kinds of uh, paninis, a lot of veggie options. And so the, the, the vast majority of the work, I mean, uh, outside of just making the business go on a day-to-day basis, uh, seems to be making sure all of the flavor profiles are in agreement with each other and, uh, and, 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 and testing the coffee beans themselves and also making sure it sounds like uh, they really line up and enhance the panini that you're pairing with your cup of coffee. Yes. We create um, our lattes. We always keep the high-quality ingredients for dairy products and non-dairy products. We have different, a lot of non-dairy milks that we can offer to our customers for their preference. And uh, the paninis, we have like an Italian choice, a turkey choice, veggies, a lot of veggies options like a caprese, and uh, veggies, grilled veggies options for the for our customers, as well as our Mexican breakfast panini that is made with a uh, two eggs omelet and the choices of uh, chorizo, sausage, bacon, different meats or different veggies. And then, very quickly, Angela, tell us about uh, how this became the basis of a book, the inspiring story of Cafe La Fortuna. When we last year, we have our 10th anniversary and we want to do something special for that. And that's why this book came out, the idea of the book. We started working on that. And finally, we are able to have a finished product that we can release in uh, 10 days. Angela Lavelli, owner of Cafe La Fortuna in Hinsdale. Thank you for joining us today on this Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, things that many people believe about buying a home which aren't true. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There are some popular misconceptions that many people have when they're buying a home. Let's get some of the real facts from Steve Kirch, Chicago-based real estate and housing expert. Steve, thank you for for joining us today. And what are what's the number one misconception that a lot of people have uh, not about buying a home or even own or buying a home and owning a home? Uh, good afternoon, Rob. Well, I would say uh, number one revolves obviously around money, and I think the misconception is that mostly people don't anticipate all of the costs that come along with a home. Yes, your mortgage and interest rate may be fixed, but there are a lot of costs that can add up, including taxes, homeowners insurance, utilities, uh, fees if you're in a condominium, and all that maintenance that you may have had the landlord do when you were renting, that's all going to be on you. So don't go into this thinking that that mortgage payment is all you're going to pay or that it's 
only going to remain the same throughout the life of your home loan. Exactly. If if the if the cost of your mortgage is equivalent to uh, what you were paying in rent, uh, you could theoretically afford to own your home. But right when you, when you walk into a room and you step into a puddle and you're inside and under a roof, uh, that's your responsibility. That's right. And those costs, you know, they can. You, you've got to plan for them. A lot of people. Uh, rule of thumb is maybe 1% of the value of your house set aside uh, each month in, in order to handle those kinds of costs. But you also need, as you say, a rainy day fund. And then what about just kind of the the, psycho- the psychology surrounding home ownership that, uh, you know, especially right now, uh, just given where interest rates are and mortgage rates are, it may seem like something, a goal that is out of reach. And uh, you don't necessarily have to beat yourself up if you can't swing it right now. No, that's, that's true. It, it seems to be a bad time, but I guess... Uh, the myth there would be, well, don't think you can never do it, and don't think it's even impossible uh, in the environment we're in today. Uh, you know, be more diligent about saving for a down payment. Maybe set your sights lower on the area you want to live or how much home uh, you want to buy, and be realistic. But you know, you still can do it. And then on top of that, uh, and this is going to be a conversation that a lot of people have, especially if you're buying a home today and getting a mortgage today, and that is maybe you think you won't qualify for refinancing, and uh, that may not necessarily be true. No, it may not, and your circumstances may change down the line. Uh, Generally, lenders are willing to refinance your loan if they think you're still a a creditworthy borrower. And obviously, where we're in this situation with guessing what the Fed's going to do with interest rates. I mean, the assumption is they will come back down at some point, and you will most likely be able to refinance, even if you've you know, taken out a 30-year loan at what looks like a high rate right now. Uh, three, four, five years from now, maybe you can uh, get a lower payment and, and help yourself out on that end. Steve Kurtz, Chicago-based real estate and housing expert. Thank you for joining us today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.